You're listening to Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at SBTSongs or check us out at ChrisBlair.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stories Behind the Songs. I am Chris Blair, and we've got Julia Cole on the podcast this week. From singing her sports events growing up in Houston and winning singing competitions to moving to Nashville, cutting demos and learning how to write music, Julia takes us through the highs and lows of her music career. We're going to talk about her Grand Ole Opry debut, navigating a breakup publicly, and how she was able to transform those feelings and emotions into an amazing project. With two songs already out, This Ring and Bulletproof, Julia takes us through the process of writing that album and explains the inspiration and story behind each song. We're also going to cover what her experience was like with CMT being named Next Woman of Country, touring in Dubai, co-writing with other songwriters, and how she markets herself in the industry without any major label, making her own graphics, music videos, and building her brand uh, on her own. She's going to take us all through that. Keep an eye out for Julia's new project set to come out in the beginning of April this year and give her a follow to stay up to date with everything she's got going on. You'll see all of her contact information and how to get in touch with her and uh, follow all of her things in the liner notes below. We also want to give a special shout out to our sponsors, Sennheiser, Imperfect Esthetician, and All Clear In-Ears. If you're looking for a good set of in-ear monitors, make sure to take advantage of our code SBT Songs, and you get 10% off at checkout. You also, in this episode, get to see how I surprised Julia and gave her a free set of custom in-ears. Thanks to our friends over at All Clear. So hope you like it. As always, we appreciate you listening. Let's get to it. Here is my good friend, Julia Cole. All right, here we are with another episode of Stories Behind the Songs, and I'm here today with Julia Cole. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. Thanks for being here. So good to be in Nashville. It's yes. good to be home. Oh my gosh, yeah. We're going to dive into that. You've been traveling so much. <laughs> Honestly, it's hard to even keep track of all the places. Yeah, I would send you a text and it's like, where are you? And you're like, oh, just Dubai. Like, whatever. I can, like, yeah, we will for sure dive into that because yes, yes. that's like a whole story. Yeah. Well, let's go back to how it all started. Take me back to Houston, where you're from. And uh, you've, you were always into sports. And then you started singing for volleyball and different high school sports. Then that led to a lot bigger NFL and MLB and all kinds of stuff. So, right. um, yeah. You know the story. Yeah. You got it all down. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Yeah. I started my my dad has two sisters and three daughters <laughs> and <laughs> no brothers, no sons. And so he was like, my mom and dad were actually here this weekend and we were just talking about this, but he was like, we had a deal. And your mom was like, I'm going to I'm going to teach him piano. My dad was like, OK, well, I get to put them all in sports like that's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I played sports my entire life. That's <clears throat> pretty much what I thought I was going to, you know, do somehow professionally or forever. I just loved everything about sports and athletics and I wanted to be involved in that somehow. And then um, I always kind of knew that I could sing just from doing little like karaoke stuff or my teammates and coaches would be like, you should do our national anthem because why not? You're already here. We we would otherwise just play the same recording every single game. So yeah. just, it'll be fun. And I actually started as a duet with my older sister. We were on the same basketball team. 
And so we would do a duet national anthem. And then when she graduated, they were like, well, do you want to just keep doing it by yourself? And I was like, I guess. Why not? You know, but I don't know that I would have just done it by myself to begin with. Uh, so she gets some credit for that, pulling yeah. me in the ring. And then my volleyball coach was the one who was like, you should send it into the Texans, send a video of you singing the anthem. And so I started to, the first anthem I did for the Texans was a season closer, Texans Jaguars game, sold out, 75,000 people, Jets, Come on. fireworks. And I'm like 17 and just like, this is sick. Like, it was the coolest day of my life. And that's when I got the bug. Like, I got bit. Were like, you nervous? I wasn't. No? And I think it's because I've done the anthem so many times. Yeah. Like, think about how many games you have in high school. And it was every single one of my volleyball games, basketball games, and other boys' team sports. Like, I was doing every anthem everywhere. And so it got to a point where I, like, even when I was singing for that first Texans game, I remember I was just on autopilot kind of, I was just looking around. It was as much of a show for me as it was for anyone mm. watching. So I was just like, look at all these people. Look at the fireworks. Look at the jets. It was so loud when the jets flew over. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, and actually one of the craziest things too, my, my dad, he loves telling this story, but my, <laughs> so we didn't know that I was ever going to do another NFL anthem or an anthem anywhere important that was just like we thought it was a one-time thing so there were like 20 people from my family on the sidelines i'm talking all my <laughs> grandparents like cousins like everybody who has some blood relation to me was like on yeah. the sidelines and i remember we had this big conference room conference room table where they like let us sit between sound check and and this room snacks and a green room if you will yeah. but for all 20 of us and my dad and I, they they walked up to me after I did sound check, and they were like, um, "We need you to cut about a minute down, like or shave it by like forty five seconds." What? And I've been doing this anthem for three years, yeah. every day of the week, the same way, you know. And so my dad, he looks at me, he grabs his little stopwatch, like we're about to go do timed four hundreds, <laughs> and we go to the back room. And he's like, "All right, go." And so he just starts timing me, starts singing the national anthem. He's like, that was too fast. All right, try it a little slow. Go. And then I, so we like timed it down to try and get it perfectly because they needed me to be done right as the jets were flying over because yeah. they're so loud. You wouldn't be able to hear anything afterwards. So I do remember that. And it timed up like pretty perfectly. I'm hitting the very last note and the jets go. Wow. And so it was a, there was a little bit, a bit of excitement yeah. for that first one. Yeah. So that's you. You get the bug then. Mm -hmm. So was it then that you're pretty much like, "Hey, I want to do this. I'm going to move to Nashville." I think I just got introduced to the fact that I had some sort of skill set to do something like that and not be nervous. Yeah. And everyone else around me was like panicked, and I wasn't. So I realized that that was something different. That I was like, I kind of should take note of that. But it kind of gave me the confidence to think I had a voice worthy of trying to to sing at all. But I still wasn't thinking this was going to be a career. I just was like, okay, well, this was really fun. I wonder what other fun stuff I could do. And then I just started looking up like singing contests and stuff. I ended up winning multiple different singing contests in Houston. One was called The Woodlands Idol. 
One was called Rodeo Rockstar. It was the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. <clears throat> and I just remember meeting the judges who were picking the winners of, and these were like karaoke contests. Literally, I would just sing to a track. Yeah. And after winning a couple of these and the judges telling me, you really could do this. Like your voice is really great. You should try to sing. And they were kind of involved in the Texas country scene, all these different guys. And one of them is Kyle Hutton. And he was like, you should, you know, go to Nashville. That's like the best place for music. And I already loved Vanderbilt because I had gone on a tour there for my older sister to see the school. And I got drug on my spring break to go and did not yeah. want to do that. <laughs> but I ended up having the best time there. My tour guide, Kristen's tour guide, <laughs> was a creative writing major. And she and I were just attached to the hip the whole tour. And I was like, I'm going to go to Vanderbilt and be a creative writing major and write books and novels and poetry. Because I wrote a book in high school. I won poetry contests. I already loved writing. Yeah. But it just wasn't necessarily in song form yet. And then... All the pieces kind of started to come together after that first Texans anthem because my mom had made us take piano lessons when we were little. So I didn't still really play piano, but I had theory background yeah. and could play the piano. So then I started to learn kind of how to play by ear and play pops, play along with pop songs and country songs that I could then start to try and sing along with and maybe write my own. I was like, okay, well, I do poetry. Maybe I can put it to piano. And just started to dabble in that. And it was, oh my gosh, my first songs are so bad. <laughs> They're so terrible. And it's hilarious because, so I come to Nashville, a freshman at Vandy, and I just start interning at all these different places on Music Row. And I remember we even had a, a class at Vandy that was music business or something like that. And... um. Steve Buckingham taught one of the classes there and he produced like Dolly Parton mm -hmm. and a bunch of iconic artists. And he took me up and down Music Row telling me stories about all the different things that have happened in this studio or this used to be this studio or Elvis recorded here or, you know, just going around. And it yeah. was the coolest thing. And um, I just I kind of I showed up to Nashville and then realized how behind the eight ball I was because everybody else who moves to Nashville, they'd been dreaming of doing this since they were four, have exactly. been writing songs since they were four, playing guitar since they were four, have videos of them as a little kid, like singing in their, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have a lot of catching up to do. And I have to thank all of the people who were so nice to me and didn't say, you are awful because my songs were <laughs> not good. You know what I mean? I just thank all the people who were like, there's something in there, yeah. you know, like yeah. keep working, keep writing. Let me introduce you to someone who can probably teach you something about writing. Let me introduce you to this person, this person. Steve Buckingham took me into the studio at one point and just for free recorded some of my terrible songs for me, like little guitar vocal or keyboard vocal, just demos. And he didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's little things like that that I wonder if if they hadn't done something like that, would I have kept going or how else would I have started? And there are a lot of people who had their hand in just 
continuing to encourage me despite my green. And uh, Chuck Cannon and Laurie White were the two most influential people in my career starting out. So Kyle Hutton introduced me to Chuck Cannon in Houston, actually. And Chuck was like, oh, another you know singer-songwriter. But when I told him that I wrote a book in high school, it was like a 500-page novel. He was like intrigued. He's like, okay, when you come back to Nashville, because it was a summer break in Houston. He's like, when you come back to Nashville, you have to come out to the studio to holler, and you need to meet my wife, Laurie White. I think y'all will hit it off. And so he like doesn't answer my texts or calls for like a year. And then <laughs> finally is like answers. And then, and he was like, I did it on purpose. I wanted to see if you were still going to be doing this in a year to see if you were serious about wow. it. And I was like, I get that. You know, they have so many flash in the pan people who show up and leave town. Yeah. And, and so I was like, no, still here, still doing it. And so he introduced me to Laurie and she and I just became soulmates. Like, attached to the hip she was my first publisher they signed me to a publishing deal and she was my first producer and i lived with them in the summers when i didn't have housing in nashville yeah. so i could stay here and make records and they introduced me to all their hit songwriter friends i mean chuck cannon and laurie white for anyone who doesn't know are incredible talents and huge we lost laurie tragically to cancer but before that happened i mean so she has three top 20 singles as an artist herself, produced Toby Keith, Sean Mullins. She's the lead in Johnny Cash Ring of Fire on Broadway. She's the the actress at the end of Tom Hanks' Castaway. That's Laurie. Yeah. And like most people don't know that. And I'm like, she did so much cool stuff. She was so amazing. Such a great producer. Amazing. It, her vocals were crazy. Her piano playing was amazing. Songwriting, just everything. And Chuck, I mean, he has tons of number one hits, BMI yeah. awards, songwriter year awards. Like he's, he wrote, How Do You Like Me Now? Love the Way You Love Me, American Soldier. Just the list goes on and on. So you can imagine the circle of friends they have too. Yeah. And they just introduced me to all these hit writers and amazing producers and mixing engineers and mastering engineers and session players and taught me how things work here, how to cut a record, how yeah. to pick for your album. And, most importantly, how to write a song. And they would they would tear a song apart for me, but always with constructive criticism of why and how to make it better. Mm. And you only have so much real estate. So let's not say the same thing twice. But OK, you can't get too far away from the original idea. It still needs to point towards the hook. Like so many lessons that I learned. Master's degree. Master's degree. And um, so I, I owed them a ton when I finally got to make my Grand Ole Opry debut. Laurie was the first one I dedicated it to. And then second, my grandpa, Poppy, who passed away like right before my debut. But yeah. was he was on the stage for sure. Yeah. And so was Laurie. So when you, what year was it that you mm -hmm. came to Vandy? 12. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So gosh. I know. Yeah. So much has happened. It's been really fun watching the city grow up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to think and and by the way, I knew that you like we had talked about the fact that you'd written poems and stuff. Like I knew that part of it, but I didn't know that like, oh, I wrote a book. Like I've heard that before. <laughs> a five hundred page novel, like that's that's pretty legit. I didn't know that. I never let anyone read it except <laughs> for one of my teachers 
in high school. <laughs> That's literally it. Like wow. I, I, I think my parents maybe I let them read it too. Yeah, back like intermittently as I was finishing pieces of it, but I don't know that I've ever sent the full file to anybody. Yeah, I'm sure it's terrible. You know what I mean? Like I have no confidence in that book because it was again, it's the only one I've ever done. It was the first one I did. I was in high school, but. I did feel so accomplished when it was done. And it's a story. Oh, it was sure. six short stories. It's called Suspended Lives and every different character. So they're stuck in an elevator, basically. And then each short story goes into the, each character's personal life. And then it, in between each short story, it takes them back into the elevator where they're together. And by the end of it, you kind of realize how all their lives are intertwined. And wow. It was so fun to write. Yeah. So, well, you <laughs> move here. You get the master's degree uh, <laughs> from two just iconic people in the industry. Um, and I mean, we, we've been friends for, gosh, I don't know how many years now, but, um, you know, you've been playing here for a long, long time. Um, and I played the last show ever, I think, at the old yeah, listening room. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Which is pretty yeah, cool. That was fun. Yeah. That was a that was a fun night. I feel like um, I think Lance Carpenter was with us. Lance was there. Phil Barton was there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Phil pulled me up on stage. Uh, yeah, it was a bunch of us, and we yeah, all hopped up and did a, a big, song. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Oh, it just was, became a jam session. Really, it really it was. was, it was fun. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know, back uh, in twenty two, um, well, really twenty one, I had this idea that like I see all of these unsigned artists come across the stage and it's like they're gonna be so big you know it's just they're unique and all of this kind of thing so i decided to in 22 to start doing an unsigned artist of the month every month and you were my very first pick it was such an honor i couldn't believe it i mean there's so many people in nashville that i look up to and respect as artists and then when you told me that I just it, again it was another one of those things that gave me that that validation of like okay like you see all the talent come through here and for you to say that it reminds me that okay keep going like keep working yeah. keep believing in what you're doing there's there's a a whole team of us and yep. it really meant a lot to me still does well you mean a lot to us I mean it's <laughs> every time you're home which is not often anymore I know but, I miss uh, it <laughs> I miss the city. I know. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, since since even then, January of 2022, I mean, just to see everything really explode. I mean, your numbers on Spotify and socials and Apple and I mean, everything that you're doing and you're still unsigned. I am. It's pretty wild because I always just had the mentality of like, I'll just figure it out. Like whatever yeah. I need to have have happen, I'll just make it happen. And so the way it all started out is okay, well I had to learn how to make a music video, fine. I'll learn how to edit and premiere. Oh, make album art, okay, I'll learn how to edit in Photoshop. <laughs> uh produce, okay, I'll make demos in Logic. And then, you know, as I finally built and built and built that way then i was able to start outsourcing to people who are better at those things than i am and start continuing to build the team that way and now i just i really do have a great like support system of of people who've helped 
take it from, you know, 1 million streams to 200 million streams. It just could, I definitely could not do it completely by myself, but if there's something that needs to be figured out, I'm, I'm not scared to try and figure it out. Yeah. Um, but I, I do wonder in this next few years, like this next year or two, I'm not anti-label. I've never, sure. I've never really tried to go out and get a deal, but I actually got a label reached out to me in my DMs on Instagram and they asked me, um, I'd like changed the name of my company or something. And they asked me if I'd be interested in working with them and they saw that I had just gotten out of my deal. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, you're, you've been signed and we just saw the company name change. So we assumed you're not signed now. I was never signed. Like, I think a bunch of people think that I've had a record deal, which is yeah. interesting to me because yeah. I, I, I could see why people would think that because I, you know, CMT has been so supportive yeah. and I've been on all of these like tours and stages and random things. But I think it's, it's going to happen when it's like the right partner. But at the end of the day, the goal is it's, play stadiums and i want people to reach i want these songs to reach as many people as possible because they can't help somebody if the person doesn't hear the song and it's one thing if someone hears it and it's not their cup of tea but if they never even got a chance to decide if they love the song or not yeah and if they needed the song or not that kind of breaks my heart and i know i've i've watched it happen with a few of my friends they build these amazing companies and they build this great fan base and then a label just takes the songs even globally yeah. you know yeah and so I'm, i wonder if that'll be a part of the the equation soon yeah because i'm not anti-label i think the great thing with you is that like you've done so much and you continue to do so much that it's like you said it's it's got to be the right partner mm -hmm. it's not just oh well here's a great deal let's do this you've already you've already built it and you're continuing to build it. And um, it's just one of the many things I love about you is just, I mean, do you think that goes back to doing so many sports growing up and the discipline of like the practices and the, you know, just all of that? I will get on my soapbox and tell you all of the amazing things about athletics for the next hour, if you'd like, <laughs> because I am obsessed with everything that sports did for me. And I really did. I started a whole social media platform called Women's Sports Social to to talk about how important having sports, at least in my life, has been for me because it teaches you hard work, how to handle constructive criticism, how to be a team player, how to be a leader, how to perform under pressure. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. And I think that has a huge, a huge part of me realizing you have to practice a lot more than you get to play the game. And so for music, it's like there's going to be a lot of days that are not necessarily on the big stage, but you still have to be doing stuff every day. The same way I played volleyball every day, even though you didn't have a game until Friday. Yeah. And working like that. I guess it's always helped me not get tired out, not get burnt out either. Because I'm like, well, it's always building towards the big game. 
You know, the Super yeah. Bowl hasn't happened yet. I'm, yeah. I'm working towards the Super Bowl. The Olympics are in four years. I got to work towards that. You know, it's like that kind of a mentality. But I think an, on top of that, it's definitely my parents. They they both have been through a ton and have worked their asses off to get where they are and have built just an amazing life. And I'm honestly, I'm in awe of them. Like I see everything my parents have done and where they came from. And I'm like, I have to take it to another level now. Like yeah. they've got us to here now. I hope to do the same thing and just build off of the, the work ethic that they taught me. Yeah. I love that. This episode is brought to you by Brit Skin Beauty. Located in the beautiful Indulgence Medi Spa in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, Brittany is the go-to esthetician for facials, dermaplaning, microdermabrasion, waxing, lashes, and any skincare products and consultations. So many people in the music industry use her frequently, and her work speaks for itself. To schedule your next consultation or make an appointment, visit BritSkinBeauty.com or send an email to BritSkinBeauty at gmail.com. Well, let's dive into some stories behind the songs. You've got dun, dun, some, dun. yeah. Uh, you've got. Do we have um, bourbon? Is there? A, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. What time uh, is it? Tequila, the mezcal tequila, <laughs> right? Mezcal. Yes, yeah. I remember. Um, I bought a bottle of mezcal tequila, Casamigas, mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. We didn't even carry it until, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So you've got a new EP coming out yes. uh, in April. And uh, you've got some a new single that you just put out recently, mm-hmm. and um, I know <laughs> that there's a lot of personal stuff that uh, is um, going on uh, that that created this album, which I know is hard, but also some of the greatest songs come out of that. And um, don't we don't have to dive into all of that, but I want you to just share kind of how special this new project is for you and. Um, talk about this ring and, um, you know, just everything that's coming out. Mm. This project is definitely the only one I've ever done like it in my life. And it's a terrifying project, but I'm also more proud of it than anything I've ever made. Yeah. Um, so I know, obviously, you know, I was engaged, the engagement has been called off and I um I had the hardest time figuring out how I was supposed to handle it because everything about it was public like there it was in people magazine it was like all of these you know because it was supposed to be a fun thing to celebrate and so I just I mean this got called off back in the summer and I just didn't say anything to anybody unless you were basically my family or like we were together like at a dinner or at a lunch. I wasn't going to like call people or text people or post yeah. anything for, cause I just didn't know what to say or how to say it. And I think like, like music does for, for all the listeners out there, music for the creators, it's, it's therapy. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I just, from, from summer to now just been writing constantly just about how to, get through everything and how to process my thoughts and the the things that are embarrassing about it and the things that are that, that might make you mad about it and the things that the family side of it all the other people who are affected by 
everything. And so basically this first EP is called Life After You. And each song is a step in the life cycle of a breakup, my breakup. And it kind of starts out with the the red flags. The first song is Bulletproof, and it's you can just tell the relationship's one-sided. Yeah. And then the second song, I remember, I mean, it was literally the morning after, like, one of the, the biggest, like, worst, the, the breakup, really. And I went into my co-write with Josh Roan and Rachel Walmack. Josh produced it too, right? Yeah, he produced yeah. it too. And I was like, we broke up last night. <laughs> and they were like, what? We don't need to write. Like, you can go home, take yeah. a U day. I was like, no, I can't. He's moving out. I can't go there. Can we please just write something? Just distract me. We don't have to write about this. We can write about literally anything else. And Rachel was like, we can just talk. We don't have to write anything. And so I just, you know, we went through this whole back and forth of, do I try to fix it? Do I stay? Or is this, the, like, do I go? Like, is this the end? And we talked for hours about it. And then this song just started to write itself, basically. Mm -hmm. And so This Ring is the title of the second song. And that's the one that is the last single that just came out. And I had no idea how many people were going to reach out in my DMs, in the comments, texting me. I'm telling you, obviously, it's, it's a lot of people that I don't know who are reaching out about their called off engagements or their divorces or even just their breakups where it's that that tough question of like what's worth fighting for versus when is it the wrong person for you? Like, are yeah. you quitting on something? Are you giving up too soon or are you making the right decision? And like. There's no way to know. And that's literally one of the lines in the song. It's just you have to go with your gut and pray, <laughs> pray about it. Yeah. And um, I mean, I had people from high school, from college, like everybody just reaching out to me. I had no idea that some of these people had even had called off engagements or anything like that, because I guess people don't really talk about it that much. Why would you want to? It's not yeah. a fun thing to talk about. And the only reason I was able to even make any posts on social media about it was because one i knew that that song couldn't just come out of the blue after people just saw people magazine posting about this engagement and then i sing a song about taking off this ring and i don't say anything about what happened it would feel very very like disconnected and also like like i'm not being honest with people yeah and so I, I remember I sat down one day and I was like, I don't know how to do this. Cause I was taught in my family, like never let them see you sweat the old school Southern, like even I think the Miranda Lambert song all the time, um, go and fix your makeup girl. It's just a break. Go mm, and yeah. hide your crazy. And start acting like a lady. I was doing that, you know, but I was fixing my makeup and I was going, I was fine on the outside. But this video, I I just sat my phone down on my, you know, kitchen counter and was like, I don't know how to put these songs out without telling people what happened. So I'm going to give the, the 
preview of these songs and just kind of talk through them. And I made this video, it's probably an hour and 20 minutes of, of me just sitting there like processing. It kind of was like my own therapy in a way because I hadn't really just sat there and listened to the songs and talked about it all. And, um, and obviously I didn't post that whole thing anywhere that I picked like a couple little pieces out of it. And for each song, the pieces that are relevant that I think people can connect to and relate to for their own stories are the sections of it that I'm sharing. Yeah. But it was more so just for me. And I waited months even after recording that video to make sure I was still like, okay with it being out you know i didn't like record it post it and it was up the next day it was like i had two almost two months of just mm. watching it making sure i was okay with the pieces of it that i picked and you know just trying to be honest and and also still be respectful of people's privacy that this story is gonna also bring into the equation and yeah <clears throat> so that's been a whole thing and then um, it's been the hardest part. And obviously that announcement of the engagement being called off, a ton of my friends and stuff who didn't even know. You know, Nashville's a, our jobs, think about how many people we are friends with or yeah. work with, like how many co-writers I have, all the different band members who ever play with me, all the different videographers or photographers or... Like you just have a lot of different friends who you don't necessarily, you're not going to pick up the phone and call them when something like this happens. But when I did that, I ended up realizing how much of a support system and community that I have and how much love exists in, in this music town. And I felt very taken care of. So it, it, was, it was nice because I didn't realize that I even needed it. And all of those people, even the ones I've never met before who were messaging me about what's gone and gone on in their relationships or their lives. I can't tell you. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of them were like, you're going to be okay. You're like I, the same, same thing happened to me. And then I met the love of my life and we are so happy. And I was like, oh, wow. I don't think I realized how much I needed to hear this from all these people so it's been a very mutually beneficial healing process yeah. i think putting that song out but it was terrifying i didn't want my family to be embarrassed of me i didn't want them to because i know people are gonna people who are closer maybe to my parents are gonna call them they're gonna call me and i'm like i don't want my parents getting bombarded about this and yeah sure stuff like that but had to put it out this ring is out and i feel like that was the hardest one now the rest of the EP is moving forward. And so the song that's coming out next is called Texas in Louisiana. And that one, my, my mom would always say, you can't fit Texas in Louisiana. My parents are both from Louisiana. I'm born and raised in Texas. And whenever we would like, you know, try to fit way too much into the time allotted and we were running five, 10 minutes late to something, she's like, always oh, trying to fit Texas in Louisiana. Just can't do it. <laughs> and Somehow I was with Willie Morrison and Daniel Blakey and we're writing and I was like, I just have this idea for like trying to make the impossible possible and trying to make something happen that isn't meant to be. And that's what every lyric in 
Texas and Louisiana kind of points towards. Mm-hmm. And it's the it's the actual walking away. That is the song of I'm leaving. I'm out. And it's because you can't fit Texas and Louisiana. It's yeah. just not supposed to be there. Yeah. And so then the next song after that is called Your Boy. And it somewhat of a, a letter to my ex's mom who I've known for like 20 years. Yeah. Um, and it's more of, I didn't write it at like, it's not a direct verbatim story of my personal, all the details I don't keep exactly the same because you know, people deserve their, their privacy, but I wrote it because I just, even in any other relationship I've been in, I think about the the families that you don't really get to be a part of anymore after the breakup. And I feel like this song, it really can be a letter from pretty much any girl to her ex's mom. And it's 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 what you want to say, but you can never say to mm-hmm. them. And so I'm excited about that one coming out and also nervous about that one coming out. And then the last one on the EP is life after you. And it's the story of all the pieces of the puzzle that you have to start putting together by yourself. that You used to have someone doing with you. Yeah. You don't have, you don't have to save a seat at church anymore. You know, it's like all those little things that change. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you for doing it. I know (laughs) that it was difficult, but also therapeutic and um, writing. It was therapy. Putting it out has been, Terrifying. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> um, what do you, do, can you pick a favorite? I, I don't think I can because they really are. I feel like they're so different and they're all It's more like a They're book. all one story. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. they kind of go together. And so if you take one of them out, it ruins the yeah. timeline. And they obviously all stand alone as songs, but it's um it's like I picture where I was and what I was doing in each one of these songs and how my psyche was and how I was heal how much I had healed from here to here to here to here to here. Yeah. And um and the whole album is going to continue this same story. So, you know, the next EP, we already have some of the songs done for it. And we'll give you a little, little spoiler. There's a song on it. The first song off the next EP is called Tequila Helps. And it's yes. just, it's that first like, okay, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Fix your makeup, which is a breakup. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. go out, do your thing. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I kind of get out of sad girl world a little bit for the second EP. Maybe we get a, a little into the healing process, a little into the uh, angry process, a little into that next step. And then we're still writing to finish the, the rest of the album. I have a lot of songs, but I think we keep beating them out with, yeah. with something new. That's just more relevant to what's happening right now. You know, great writers do that. Well, and it's when I'm living it, it's these songs are all coming out pretty much six months after I went through whatever the song is. Sure. And so I'm like, well, I'm still in my healing process hardcore. Like I am not, we are not like all the way. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, we're still, 
we're getting some some great songwriting therapy still. Yeah. My God bless my songwriter friends. The co-writers deserve <laughs> a lot more money for all the therapy they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, I went through it. Really? So, yeah, just you. Uh, I was kind of just tearing up listening to your story. One, because I just, you know, care so much about you. And it's, I know... But I was remembering the pain and it, it is it is true that people just don't talk about it. Like yeah. um and it does get better. Like now you make me cry. I went through it and um am married to the love of my life. So that's the happy ending that we're looking for. Yep. Yep. So I'm uh I'm still very hopeful. Yeah. I'm not I'm not oops. I'm not jaded. I'm not pessimistic about love. I just know I'm going to find the right person when it's the right time. Yeah. And I think it's all God's plan and these songs needed to be written. They needed to exist. And I had to live it to write it, I yeah. guess. So Yeah. Well, everybody out there listening, make sure that you go follow Julia on Spotify and Apple Music and anywhere you listen to music and um on all of her socials and everything and uh listen to these songs because they're they're so good. The two that are out right now are just I've had them on repeat. And the acoustic version with the full band version is also very cool. Thank you. Um, okay. I wanted to dive into that because it's the newest project mm -hmm. and I wanted to make sure that we had plenty of time to to talk about that. For Let's, my long-winded explanation that <laughs> no, took me 30 great. minutes. <laughs> yes. Let's rewind uh, and go back to 2022. Love it. Um, next Women of Country. Ah, highlights. So fun. So... Leslie Fram and Stacey Cato over at CMT, yep. I mean, are quite literally like angels. They are champions. They are supporters. Everything that you could hope to find in leadership at a company like that. I mean, they have made a lot of dreams come true for a lot of people. I am 100% one of those people. When CMT asked me to be a next woman of country. I just remember freaking out. I had no idea that it was going to happen that year. And I'd been dreaming of it for a long time. I'd seen people go through the ranks and everyone you can think of in country music. They've, yeah, they've had a BSCMT next woman of country. That's anyone you hear on the radio has come through that. And I was like, okay, this was a, another one of those big validation. Like you're doing the right thing. People who, see all of the talent in this city are telling you we believe in what you're doing too. And that as, as much confidence as I can possibly have in myself, I'd be absolutely lying if I said that that didn't help. It makes you just reinforces that you're like doing the right thing. So they asked me to be part of that class and then started asking every time they were doing events, it was like, come walk our red carpet. <laughs> come be featured on our CMT viral to verified show. Come perform. We're going to put your performance on CMT. Send us your music videos. We're going to put all your music videos on CMT. And I was just like walking through restaurants and you can see your video come up. It was just, you know, so it, cool. And it, who didn't watch CMT their entire life? Yeah. Like that was crazy for me to finally get to be a part of one of the pillars of country music. Yeah. So a blessing. Yeah. 
it's kind of our Saturday morning routine with the kids. We wake up and we do breakfast and we put on CMT. And, it's uh, so fun. And the kids dance around and it's so <laughs> cool when I like see friends and I'm like, oh, yeah. And now like, you know, Jackson and Reagan, especially like they know every word to like the songs that, you know, and they're up on the coffee table just dancing. They're oh like, this gosh. is daddy's friend. It's just really cool. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. Oh, so, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I actually, that just made me so excited because I told you earlier, but my older sister is about to have a baby. Yeah. And I'm just like picturing her doing that now with her little son. Oh, yeah. Winnie. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be so fun. Yeah. Um, you uh, you also, I want to dive in a little bit um, with Chip, Charles Eston. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have been friends for a long time. Um, everybody uh, out there knows Charles Eston from... The Nashville show and just everything that he's mm-hmm. done. Deacon um, Claiborne. Deacon, yes. Um, gosh, that was or such Ward a- Cameron from Outer Banks. Yes, yes. Um, Outer Banks was such a great show. So great. So great. And I am biased, but he was the best part of the show. Yeah. He's a great bad guy. He is, yeah. He like crushed that role. I yes. was like, for someone so nice and so loving to your family, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, to uh, I've known him for quite a while now too, and yeah, to see to see that role, I was like, dude, he is such a great actor because it's not like him at all. Mm-hmm. He's such a kind soul. The but, first time we co-wrote, we actually wrote the duet that we put out together. Was that that right? We were with um, Fred Wilhelm and Josh Ronan again, and so we were all writing things ideas whatever and and it was my first time really hanging out with him for an extended period of time so i'm still trying to play it cool because obviously i know him from these tv shows but i'm like he's in here to write he's in here to do music so i'm not gonna like you know ask anything about the shows somehow something came up someone he just brought it up he was talking about nashville and he just starts talking about the role and i was like okay so he's cool with like talking about pretty much anything TV show related, but I'm still going to let him lead with, but I was like just wide eyed. Like this is so cool hearing the actor talk about his experiences. Cause I'm in the music business. I don't necessarily know how the, the TV business works. And so it's fascinating. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like another average fan who watches TV shows. So listening to those stories, I mean, he would tell me about, I don't want to spoil any of the scenes for anyone who hasn't watched yet. So I can't, fully explain but like imagine like the most intense scene of outer banks you can think of i know exactly and which he's one you're like, talking about he's like talking about what he was thinking in the middle of filming it and and how he like was ad-libbing changing some of the lines and stuff to fit even better what he thought might sell it and i was just like this is amazing and he's he is truly all in on any project he's working on and it's going yeah. to be full passion forward and right now he just put a record out so he's he's really diving into his music career now but he did music first yeah so and i think that's why he got his role in nashville because they wanted someone who could really do really play guitar really sing yep and it's all kind of you know worked out for him and i actually watched a podcast he did for um clint black talking in circles that podcast oh, yeah, yeah so Lee Bryce and then uh, Chip did this same one. So they had us come just be the audience and, and listen. 
So we're sitting there listening, and I just remember Chip just talking about how he never gave up, and he just kept working and working and working. And it was like, you know, in his 40s, got cast for Nashville. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's amazing. And then has the biggest role ever, even after that, was for however many seasons. Yeah. And then Outer Banks comes along. I mean, he's and now he's he just played on the Kelly Clarkson show and he's his music videos debuted in Times Square. I mean, now he's like fully getting to do his music dreams. And it's like just amazing to watch your your friends dreams come true. But it also helps if you're chasing a dream, you watch something like that happen with your friends and you're like, this is. Very attainable and it's beautiful to watch yeah. and it's almost sweeter when you had to like work really hard for it absolutely is yes yeah yeah Yeah. um i there's so much i want to dive into i like i want to go deeper into some of this stuff but i also like know so much of your story it's like (laughs) they were telling me off camera one time like savannah was like i think the people that you don't know as much you have like deeper conversations with because like i don't know and i'm just asking questions and like this i want to like share so much but um I I want to uh I want to talk about I I sent you a text um I don't know bef- it was before Dubai because you were just like going everywhere and I was like okay what are you doing like who's your booking manager and you responded and you're like you're talking to her basically it's like that's me um so I, like all of your success with the touring too. I want to dive into all the stories behind that and the amazing trip to Dubai um, that Tiger's sitting over here too. Like I was so jealous seeing all these pictures of like, you guys had so much fun. It was so, so fun. It was literally the most fun trip ever. Um, we did all the touristy stuff. Like yeah. anything touristy you can possibly think of. We also did that while we were there, but I performed two days. Um, so I was singing for the ALCS championship series, the Astros and um replying Rangers. And the owner of a baseball league starting in the Middle East was at the game in Houston. And he had his people DM me, email the email on my <laughs> Instagram and just say, how do we get you to Dubai for our showcase? We're doing the first baseball game ever in the Middle East. Come on, ever. Julia. And I was like, this can't be real. You know what I mean? And it was like three weeks out. It wasn't like this is happening in six months. We'll plan a trip to Dubai. This was like maybe a month away or something. And yeah. I was like, it was thanks. It was going to be Thanksgiving. It was when I was performing. And so I was like, this can't be real. There's no way they can get the flights, get all this stuff turned around this quickly. But just in case it is, hey, Tiger, can you call this person and see if this is legit? Because, <laughs> like, they say we can come to Dubai if we want. And so basically over the next two weeks, everything gets set up and they fly us over there. And I was like, we're not going. They were like, you can stay for like four days. I was like, no, no, no. We're staying for like 10 days. I'm not doing all that. Yeah. So we flew over there. Longest flight ever. And um, we went 
We rode camels. We held a falcon, went sandboarding down the sand dunes, sand drifting in the like explorers, um, you know, tried all the different food you can try there. Just, I mean, Dubai is crazy. Went to the gold market, um, went to old, old town in Dubai, which is like, it's basically like an ode to what it used to look like. And, and it's, um, it's really fun to just go and experience it. Met a bunch of people who I guess they're not technically local locals because the locals are like billionaires in hiding, but it was the, all of the surrounding area influx of people who come in to basically work the, the town, be their Uber drivers and work in the shops and do all that. We met all these locals and got to hear their, their take on what they thought of America and and it was crazy being at a baseball game also in the Middle East because there were a ton of Americans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Dubai is a very culturally diverse place and it's a hot travel destination now. So all the Americans hear of a baseball game happening and they're like, cool. So we go all the way over to Dubai and for two of the days I'm just surrounded by like Americans, which is <laughs> so funny. Um, also never in my life did I think I would sing the national anthem in the Middle East for America. Yeah. But I did. And then they also had me do a seventh inning stretch performance where I sang Supernova, which is one of my songs. Yeah. And then I sang Take Me Out to the Ball Game. So I did two games and I met so many amazing people and some of the musicians. I met some, a handful of musicians who, perform over there too and i was like all right i could move here i could just do music in <laughs> <Yeah>. dubai <laughs> the food's so good everywhere the, it was just a it was a blast yeah um when you go on trips like that or just like you've you know you've done so much like you're just on the road a lot do you um like what's your routine are you kind of in that tour mode or do you still write when you're out i'm always writing my ideas down but I don't necessarily sit down with a guitar and write a song while I'm out doing other things. But it's really helpful to have this list of moments that I remember and can mm-hmm. pull back on the voice memo or because when you get into a co-write with your friends, some of my f- songwriter friends, they're writing two songs a day, every day of the week. So mm-hmm. they don't really, some of them, they don't have a list of ideas, but they're great songwriters. Yeah. So when I can come in with all of these ideas and all this ammo that I've been collecting in all the different places that I am or that I've gone to, we can pick from, from that and get the actual best one out of it and then write that one. So it's it still serves the songwriting, even though I'm not necessarily like, blocking off four hours of my day to do a co-write in the middle of the tour. And that's because most of my touring is not standard right now. Like I'm not doing your typical bus tour through America where you have spend all day on the bus in between sound check and, and the actual start time, you just have nothing to do. So you might as well schedule co-writes. Songwriters will go out on the road with you. I, I have so many fly dates that we're like, it seems my band jokes because they're like, every show is an event with you. There's never just like a normal, <laughs> boring day yeah. that we go play a show somewhere. There's like, 
I don't know how to explain it, but if I go down the list of some of these just random experience stories, it's like we end up partying with Fetty Wap. We end up, I don't know how to explain them. They're just all over the place, but it's, uh, it'll be nice to get to a place where I can do the standard tour and, and hit a lot more cities that way. Cause the way I'm doing it right now, we're oftentimes an opening act where I'm, kind of just going wherever it's not routed in like a in a helpful way i'm like california new york like just all over the place yeah um dubai (laughs) (laughs) like not any i was in five different countries in five weeks and none of it was planned three months before that not a single one of the trips Mm. so and they weren't all for shows but it was definitely uh that's just kind of how my life is where i'm I'm pretty easy to convince to go do something and happy to fly by the seat of my pants, basically. It's fun. (laughs) Um, Well, all of these shows that you do with the band and all of the travel, um, you know, there's one thing that I feel like when you get to that professional level, you have to have. Um, So I want to ask you, when you're when you're on stage, do you use a set of in ear monitors? I do. I would I would die without my in ears. Yeah. Do you like them? Mine actually have been like shorting out on me. So I'm I had a show on Friday and I was like panicked that it was gonna completely stop working in the middle of the show. So they're on their last leg. <laughs> well, I have a little surprise for you. <laughs> What? So one of our sponsors is All Clear In-Ears. And going back to the Unsigned Artist of the Month, uh, when we did this, I said, hey, listen, I want to give a pair of in-ears to my favorite female and my favorite male artist. And they said, absolutely. So you have a brand new free custom set of in-ears that we're going to go get molded and they're yours. I'm going to cry. Can I like get up and hug you? Yeah, you can oh hug me. God. Let's go. Thank you so Absolutely much. Oh, that is crazy. Yes. Wait, I seriously like desperately needed some ears, like desperately. They are amazing. Um, they've been they've been so good to us. So just a, a shout out to All Claire and we'll We'll get you hooked up. Oh my gosh. And also, I'm not going to skim over you saying that I was your favorite female artist. I'm going to cry about that too. <laughs> that is so sweet. And I am just so grateful, not only to to get to collaborate and work with you on things, but just have you as a friend. It's Thanks. Same. It's like family in Nashville. Yep. Yep. Um, well, I know we, we've got to wrap up soon, um, but what um, I, I'd love to hear like, you know, what you feel like being unsigned and everything that you've been doing, like we've been talking about all the success. Mm -hmm. What do you think the biggest challenge is for you? The biggest challenge is keeping all of the plates spinning simultaneously. Mm. And I think that's a challenge for every artist, but I've been doing a lot of it on my own for so long and I have people on my team obviously Tiger Green's one of them he's here but like there's a a few people on my team that are helping me but even with just the number of people that we have 
there are so many pieces to this puzzle. Mm -hmm. Like just off the top of my head, someone's got to design, sell, upload merch, bring it to shows. Like that's just one piece of it. Production of songs, funding production of songs, album art for every song, music video for every song, social media, promotion for every single different song for all of eternity, basically. Songwriting, there's registration of your songs for like all on top of having just had to write the song, learn how to play all of the songs. You also have to make sure that everything is done correctly so that your royalties go to the right people and like social media is its own full-time job too touring people don't understand how much goes into a live show yeah you have to make a set list for every show the tracks have to be created in a live version if you're going to play with tracks yeah if you don't have the exact same band every time i've been fortunate enough over this last year and a half to really use the same band but occasionally somebody's sick or someone can't make it. You you literally have to like teach everybody, like teach an entire new set to a band. Or if you have a new EP that c comes out, you still, my whole band is learning this new EP right now. We've played a couple of the songs off of it on Friday, but it's just going to keep adding on to that. So not only do you have to make sure that you've got all of the, the stems there and the set list right, and you've got the show's advanced so they know what type of setup you need on stage. Anyway, I'm going down to the, the nitty gritty of, of just that, but it's to try and explain that there are just so many pieces of the puzzle and there's so many plates spinning constantly that you really try to dive in and focus on one of them and the other one starts seriously wobbling and then you have to go try to save it because... Mm. You didn't give it the attention for the last two weeks because you had a record coming out or because you were on tour or because whatever it is. And I think I'm pretty organized and I still have a hard time with that. So I'm I'm sure that when you're signed, you still have to have your team on top of all that because, again, labels have so many artists. So sure. they're they're not going to even be really on top of all of those things but i think the bigger you get you just have people who that is their main bread and butter for whatever the category is so you have your own merch company handling all the merch stuff for you yeah. so you don't have to handle that yeah but i'm still where i'm we're we're doing a, like all of it yeah with my small but mighty crew and picking and choosing our battles, you know, like I know that the most important thing to me, it's by far writing and putting songs out. It's that is number one. So yeah. I've, I've put that up here and I'm like, nothing is going to interfere with that, which means all the other things kind of just, they get what they can get from me attention wise and time wise. Cause I'm like, I will be writing songs, recording them and releasing them. That's the whole that's my purpose. I know that I'm supposed to be making these songs for people to, to get to help them through what they're going through in their lives. And yeah. if I never record the song and never put it out, no one's ever going to hear it. And that's the one piece that I know no one can do for me either. You can't sing my song for me on the record. I have to do it. You know, yeah. someone else can eventually take over 
all of the logistics for touring and, and I do have my crew does all of that stuff too, but I left my agent. Um, so I'm in a, that's another one of the plates that yeah. I'm going to have to, to go get spinning, yeah. even though I'm still writing, recording and putting out a record. I'm like, okay, I also got to go set up meetings with a bunch of different people and it takes time. Like, yeah. and it's, um, it's fun to build your team, but it also, every minute that I'm spending doing that, I'm not writing a song and I'm not in the studio. It's a, it's all a give and take with your time. Yeah. So that's, that's probably the hardest part. I mean, I think, uh, it's kind of like what Chuck Cannon said, like, Hey, I'm going to give it a year. Mm -hmm. See if you're still here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that you have to be a little crazy <laughs> And very motivated and like, just know this is what I'm going to do to make it in this town, in this industry. And what's wild is I already feel like I have because, I mean, over 200 million people have heard songs I've yeah. written. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And I'm. I'm able to have a great life, you know, yeah. like I bought my place. I've got the cars I want. Like I, it's not, it's not about really like the money or anything like that. It's just, I want songs to reach the people they're supposed to reach. Yeah. And so I think it's going the right direction, continuously just getting bigger. Um, but I feel like I, I have at least one multiple levels of the game and there's just, there's still a higher level to, to get up to, Yeah. but I don't feel in any way, shape or form, like I could ever even have considered it a loss. Like this is a win already. Yeah. yeah I would agree with that. It's a, a beautiful and crazy career and, and yeah. life. It's, yeah. It's fun though. Yeah, it is. It's a blast. Um, okay, last question. Okay. Um, if you have to go back to eight-year-old Julia in Houston. Okay. Now you're here sitting on this couch doing all of the things that we've talked about and so many other things like Opry debut and things that we didn't even dive into. <laughs> um, what advice do you give eight-year-old Julia today? Eight-year-old Julia, I would probably say it's okay to be vulnerable and also eight-year-old Julia is probably a little too young for this advice, but focusing on the actual art. Mm is more important than the business. And I know most artists are the opposite of uh, as me where they're only they only focused on the art and they didn't build the business at all and that's why they don't make any money or whatever. But there's a healthy balance and I think I leaned so when I first, well, I was a business, I mean, I majored in entrepreneurship and corporate strategy at Vandy. Like I was a business head. I just yeah. loved marketing and business and I love music too, but 
but I didn't realize how much I needed to develop my art mm. before I just focused on the business of it. And so again, that's, it's a little older than eight year old Julia, but I would say like really honing in on what the, what is the beautiful message that you're trying to create and leave behind on this planet. And it's not the business side of it. It's yeah. the art. And that should be always the priority. And it's, it is so there good. for me now. Yeah. Love it. great. Yeah. Well, it's been a blast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So yeah. fun to catch up. Yeah. Can't wait to keep watching. And we're going to have to uh, just have you back in a year or so and just dive in because there's so many stories that. So many. Yeah. It's, yeah. It is crazy how much I feel like. I was talking to somebody yesterday about this. I'm like, if I died tomorrow, like I've lived an insane life already. I feel like <laughs> I've lived 10 lives already. Yeah. But, um, but hopefully that doesn't happen because That's we right. have a lot more songs to write. That's so. right. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Well, uh, everybody out there, thanks for following us, subscribing, all of that. And we will have all of the liner notes to follow Julia. So check that out. And make sure y'all come watch a show at the listening room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll see you next time. This has been another episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Julia Cole. And now we are going to go get some custom in-ears made. Woo, let's, let's go. go. All right, <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. Make sure to give us a follow on Spotify if you enjoyed this episode. And make sure you click that notification button so you can keep notified when new episodes come out. We release brand new episodes every Tuesday. And you can find us on YouTube at Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to send us a comment letting us know what you thought of the episodes. We love getting your feedback and share this with your friends. The more we grow, the more that we can keep doing this. It's our mission to bring you all of these great stories behind the songs from some of Nashville's most iconic artists and songwriters, publishers, producers, everyone in between, and a lot of my great friends. We love what we do and we love sharing their stories with you. We appreciate all of the continued support. Thanks also to all of our sponsors and we will see you all next week.